Hey guys, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. A um, couple announcements before we get started. First of all, our friend Pat Kuhn, who you uh, can hear on our zombie episode um, from last month, he and his friend Tyler started a new podcast called The Nerd You're Looking For Podcast. And it's a great, great podcast. Like, I'm not exaggerating because they're friends of ours or anything. I'm just genuinely, genuinely pleased with uh, their show. It's basically just nerd culture. Uh, dissected uh, by the two of them, and it's it's just really good stuff. They have some really good segments called like one's called Nerd Origins, where they talk about just basically stories from their past, uh, from their childhood, and in, in relation to their experiences with the nerd culture. That's really cool. Um, and they end every episode with a with a question, and it's 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 just a really fun fun podcast. And I'm so happy that they that they got it running and, and that they're doing it because I'm I'm really enjoying listening to it. Um, so check them out at the Nerds Podcast on Twitter, and the Nerds You're Looking For podcast on iTunes, and also at the Nerds You're Looking For WordPress.com. My other announcement is that I was a guest on the Intermission Podcast this week. Um, I, I found out found the Intermission Podcast through um, Reddit, and I've been just a fan ever since I started listening to them. Um, so I was really happy that they asked me to be on their episode. Um, it's basically four guys get together and they talk about movies and other kind of nerd-centric stuff and it's it's also a really fun show and i was i was just happy to be on it and it was a good chat so check them out at uh, movieguys.org and uh the intermission podcast on itunes um so definitely do that so great podcasting all around um as for this episode it's tragedy on the screen i hope you guys enjoy it as always you can find us on uh Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. And also, don't forget to go on iTunes and rate and review us, and also vote for us at PodcastLand.com uh, for Podcast of the Month, which we would really appreciate. It would really help us out a lot. Um, yeah, and as always, you can email us at ovpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, without further ado, here's the episode. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the latest episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast, everyone. Uh, I'm your host, Matt, and with me today is Tiny and Mike. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. What up? So today, by the way, you can find me on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, Tiny at, uh, at Obsessive Tiny, and Mike at I am Mike White, um, as usual. But today we're talking about tragedy on the screen, historical tragedy on the screen. These are kind of depictions of dark moments in our history um and how they've been adapted on the screen so it's uh it should be a fun discussion <laughs> yeah get get your uh, boxes of kleenex ready listeners yeah 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 uh no wait our porn yeah. episode isn't until next season dang it my bad oh nice <laughs> very well played matthew <laughs> thank you that thank was you. hilarious <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so this is our, uh, I guess this will be our post-Thanksgiving episode, huh? Is Yeah, I think it'll, I'm kind of, I'm not sure if I'm going to release it on next Friday or maybe, should we take a week off? Because, I don't know. Maybe for the holiday. Take a holiday break? Yeah, we can do maybe. that. Maybe. We could. Yeah. Or we could just wrap this one up really quick and record a quick Thanksgiving one. Record it on Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, nobody will be doing that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or uh for black friday we could talk about the best 
purchases we've ever made on DVD. I don't know. Let's whoa, 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 whoa. African American Friday. Take it <laughs> easy, Mike. Yeah. Don't want to offend yeah. anybody. Or for Black Friday, we can do an episode about our favorite movies in the Friday franchise. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Friday after next? Yeah, I, I respect that one because it has security guards. <laughs> um. Respect. Yep. All right, so yeah, let's get let's get to our actual topic though cuz I'm yes. afraid that people are going to have turned this off by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh So yeah, tragedy on the screen. This is kind of the companion episode to like one of our early episodes, like pre-Mike episodes, uh history on the screen mm-hmm. which was fun to record, but you know. Yeah. This one will be a little more nuanced, I guess. So we'll we'll probably do a sequel to that one at some point because there's so much to choose from history wise. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. This is kind of its its spirited sequel, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so what do you, you know? We about- should also add. Well, we should also add that uh, the the idea from this episode came with uh, the 50th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Yes, right. which November twenty second, nineteen sixty three, of course, right, and that's kind of where we got the idea from this. Yeah, and as we're recording that, that anniversary is tomorrow, um, but we're not going to. Well, I, I, I'm not going to be able to release it tomorrow, so so it'll be out yeah. after the fact. But the yeah, the, the point is still made. It's it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's still kind of a kind of a tribute to that. So speaking of which, the first movie I wanted to bring up. Uh, is uh, Parkland, which is a movie that I mentioned on the potpourri section. It was actually before we called it potpourri um, of of the history on the screen episode. I was really excited to watch it. Um, have you guys seen it? I have not. No. Neither one. No. no so it's just you, Matt. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Curious. Um, <laughs> all right. So Parkland is the uh, it's the story of. The app, the fallout of the JFK assassination, and it's told with a, with sort of an emphasis, not really much of an emphasis, but somewhat of an emphasis on Parkland Hospital, the hospital where he was taken to. Um, so it was, so it's it's through that perspective. But the thing that really drew me to it was that it was um, financed and produced and all that by the American Film Company, right. who does. Um, who does who who their mission statement is that they have um that they that they want to create movies based on based on history and make it as historically accurate as possible and uh mm-hmm. their other their their this is their second movie i believe and their first one was um the conspirator mm-hmm. which wasn't that great I, I wasn't i i liked it i i thought the acting was tremendous and it was just a real it was an engaging enough story but i just thought it was kind of missing something it was missing it was missing uh, the movie element of it it felt it felt a little too it felt a little too mechanical in its retelling of history i would say agreed um but with parkland it's not that case at all it's very it's very given the subject matter of course it's very edge of your seat and very engaging and very tragic um yeah and it's i wanted to bring up something interesting i had reservations about it on uh i posted it as a trailer tuesday on obsessiveviewer.com a while ago 
Um, but the, the director, this guy named Peter Landsman, he had, he basically, there, there's some stuff on, on IMDb and, and, um, on, uh, on some other places on, on slate.com where they basically call into question his journalistic integrity. Hmm. Um, cause like he wrote a big, a big thing in, um, LA weekly, about um uh prostitution and human trafficking but there's a slate article that just basically and i'll throw all the links in the show notes to this by the way but Mm -hmm. there's a slate article that basically raises a ton of questions about the validity of his subject matter and his uh, of his of his of his piece um and it paints him as like a, a sensationalist who who will exaggerate or generate information to pad his stories. So hmm. I was interested. I, I was curious because I thought it was interesting that American film company would choose someone to write and direct their, one of their movies when their, their mission statement is to have historically accurate movies. And they have this guy who's kind of under fire for being kind of a sensationalist and embellisher, but, if that's a word, but, um, <laughs> but it, it, the end product was good. The cast is amazing. It's got Marsha Gay Harden. Um, uh, um, oh, wow. Oh, Billy Bob Thornton, Billy Bob Zac Thornton, Efron. Zach Efron, who he, he doesn't have much to work with in it. He's not in it as prominently as like the trailers will have you believe, mm-hmm. but he does a good job. And I, I honestly, I think that he could do some pretty good, um, dramatic acting if if he's so inclined to do it but it's it's also got tom welling um paul giamatti as abraham zapruder um wow and it's also got ron livingston and and james badgedale as uh um lee harvey oswald's brother which he Mm -hmm. gives a really good performance um which i have really high hopes for his for his career in the future same here um yeah, so so cool. I recommend checking it out. It's on it's on DVD and Blu-ray now and all that. I'll throw links in the show notes to where you can find it. Um, yeah. So and and as far as I completely got away from the actual topic, I'm sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> That's okay. In its depiction of the tragedy of JFK's assassination and death, um, it did a good job. It did uh it 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 did a good job of balancing. It it didn't it didn't really pay much attention to the to the conspiracy conspiracy stuff but it did bring it up in a way um okay. in a way that makes it feel like oh okay well that's the genesis of these crazy conspiracies and everything is just based on this one thing or based on based on these little pieces of information so mm-hmm. and i assume that it's all factually accurate but mm-hmm. but it was it was a good it was a good movie uh, definitely check it out. Um, cool. And nice. there's a bunch of other really cool stuff in the pipeline for American Film Company. I'm I'm looking forward to that. To to cool. their furthering their uh, catalog. Nice. Same here. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Yep. So what uh what do you guys got for us? Uh, I can go first if you want, Mike. Sure. Go cool. for it. Uh, the first one I have on my list. Um, is a film that's uh, it's sort of come to mean a lot more to me over the past year or so. Uh, the movie is Schindler's List. 
Um, I, I know Mike is, or I'm sorry, I know Matt is seeing it. Mike, have you seen Schindler's List? Uh, I show it every year. Oh, wow. In, in my class at school. Okay. Yep. Okay. Nice. I've um, seen it several times. Nice. Okay, cool. Then we'll, we'll, all, we'll all have something to talk about, unlike mm-hmm. Mike's, or Matt's. <laughs> right. Your name is supposed to start with M. Anyways, um, I I saw Schindler's List list for the first time when I was a teenager, I think. Excuse me. And, um, you know, it affected me the the same way that I'm sure it affects most people. It was incredibly heartbreaking and and tragic. But, you know, at the same time, it has a very hopeful ending. Um, Uh But uh, the film has come to mean a lot more to me over the past year because uh, back in May, I actually took a trip to Poland. Um, My family is originally from Poland. Um, ethnically, I'm like, I'm like 80% Polish or something like that. Um, I actually have okay. family who still lives there. And, um, that's why we went. One of my cousins was getting married and we got to go to her wedding. It was, it was an incredible trip. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. But the reason that this, this film means more to me now is that most of the Schindler Jews were Polish. Um, of the 11 or 1200 of them, I think almost over a thousand of them were Polish. Wow. Um, and I, I got to visit the city where they were, where they were uh, imprisoned in the ghetto in Krakow. Um, I got to go to that city, which uh, a lot of people may not know. A lot of Poland was destroyed by the Nazis when they were leaving. So most of what you see in Poland is a recreation. But uh, for some reason, they left Krakow alone, and so we got to see all this original stuff. Uh, it was really incredible. Um, so the movie just means a lot more to me now. Um, I sort of feel like it's my like those are my countrymen that I'm seeing on the on the screen. Um I had a really a really emotional and a really deep connection to that country now since I took that trip. It's probably one of the best experiences of my life. So um That's I also awesome. yeah, I also got to go I also visited Auschwitz when I was there, which is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. I know that's yeah. uh <laughs> that's pretty obvious, but yeah. uh, I still think it's something that everyone should see before they die because it's there's there's literally no other place like it in the world um so yeah that's that's why this film means so much to me now and uh what's ironic about it is that it's i bring it up because obviously the holocaust is the worst thing that's ever happened in human history um so you know it it obviously holds a a spot on the list for most tragic movies um but it is unique in the fact that it's about this person who sacrifices part of his reputation and his wealth to save these people that that his countrymen essentially viewed as not even human um there was literally a people may not know this as well the nazis literally had a list of ethnic groups who they considered human subhuman or not human at all and Mm -hmm. the poles were subhuman and the jews were not even they don't even you know they they're not even they treat dogs better than they treat jews so um so this guy risks so much to save these people that you know don't even qualify as humans and so that's that's a pretty incredible thing and you know at the, the end of the movie gets me every time when he's he feels like he has he hasn't done enough when he's getting ready to leave the i think it's the Czechoslovakian country where he had a uh, had his uh mm-hmm. workers but uh yeah that gets me every time um yeah. and so it's it is a tragic story because it takes place during the most tragic event in human history, but it's also very hopeful, you know, that he saves all these people. So it's it's an interesting juxtaposition to to see those two things next to each other, and I think the the hope uh, the hope outweighs the tragedy, or it 
I think it enhances the tragedy of what you see uh, on the screen. So mm-hmm. I think it's it's probably one of the best, if not the best, examples of capturing, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened, the most tragic thing that's ever happened in human history. So I figured that was the yeah. appropriate one to bring up. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly, certainly tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I, like I said, I've said many times I'm a teacher, and we do a unit uh, at the start of the new year, not the new school year, the new like in in the in the spring semester. Mm-hmm. We start uh, we read Night by Elie Wiesel, uh-huh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is a f- amazing book, haunting haunting book. Uh, and to to top it off, we watch Schindler's List because I like to talk about movies, uh, and we 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 talk about the production of the movie and and those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's even though I sh- use it as a learning tool, it is still one of my favorite movies. Not favorite because it makes me feel good, but favorite because it's just so freaking well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what I point to most often when people ask me why I like it a lot is the evolution of uh, Oscar Schindler's character mm-hmm. um, and how Liam Neeson is so good in, in three specific scenes at showing this evolution of character. Uh, I point to three. At the very beginning of the movie, we can see that Oscar Schindler is probably not that great of a man for a couple reasons. Uh, he's a womanizer, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a con man at times, and he's also part of the Nazi party. We see at the beginning he's wearing uh, his Nazi pin. So to look at this guy, we know he's the star of the movie, but he's not a great guy uh, for the first <laughs> for the first hour of the movie, right? Right. Yeah. And then there's the moment where um, where they're they are sending uh, they're sending the the Jews off, and they are all in the train, and they're at the train station, and. Um, they're you know they're sweating and they're crying and they're trying to reach out at the bar and they're all they're all thirsty mm-hmm. um and Schindler decides to get the hose and and spray them right do you right. know what i'm talking about yep and and so he he says spray 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 and um uh, amangat played by Ray Fiennes fantastically mm-hmm. is there like looking at him and you can see that's the moment where they think they think something is off with Oscar you know they're like right. what are you doing you're just you're just torturing them you're giving them more hope and you see the intensity in Liam Neeson Oscar Schindler getting this water in here he's like no more 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 we give them more we give them more mm-hmm. and just that watching him switch to yeah I'm putting on a show for for gut but I'm also I also want to help these people, and then of course the third one is at the end when when he's speaking in in front of the uh, the uh, the Schindler Jews that he saved. He is all good, mm-hmm. you know. And and when uh, when uh, Itzhak Stern says it, it is it is a total good. The list is a total good. Mm-hmm. I love those three scenes, those three parts in the movie. It it really makes the movie for me. Absolutely, yeah. Good uh, good analysis. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and and yeah, you mentioned Ralph Fiennes. He's yeah, he's he was perfect as you know playing Amon Goethe, playing the he was a perfect personification of you know the Nazi, the Nazi philosophy, if you will, because he mm-hmm. was you know there. There's the classic uh, the classic argument that all these guys were just doing their job; they were just following right. orders. You know, that's the classic argument. Um, but he he was not that he he embraced no. yeah. he embraced that prejudice which prejudice right. is not the right word he embraced that 
evil, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that was yeah. you know a good again a good him versus Oscar Schindler. The juxtaposition of those two characters is again yeah. a great 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 part of the film. There's the scenes where um, where he and Oscar are talking and and he 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 gives him the line "I pardon you," mm-hmm. right? And and the little boy uh, that is that is working for God is like not doing something he wants him to do, and he and he pardons him. But as the little boy is walking away, he he like the rage inside him is building up so much he can't help but punish this boy, and he ends up shooting him. Mm-hmm. Is is one of the most haunting scenes in the movie for me. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and also, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've seen the movie so many times, and, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. um, when the the they're building the house um, at one of, at one of the one of the factories, I guess you could call it. Uh, they're they're building the house, and the woman comes up and says that the plans are all wrong, and we need to scrap it and build it up, and mm-hmm. and whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Right, and uh, and she shoots him, or or he shoots her, dead, and and even and, though she's right, know, even though she's right, yeah, shoots her dead, and says nobody nobody will talk to me that way. And then as he's walking away, like just kind of a throwaway line, and it just cuts right after he says. Tear it down. Do as she says, and then and then yeah. I go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Just just awesome. Yeah. So fantastic. So well done. Absolutely. I need to watch it again. I haven't watched. I've seen it once, all the way through once. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and like, and it's. I mean, it's a long movie and everything, but I mean, it's, it's the word I would use to describe it is is emotionally draining for me. Oh yeah. Um, yep. And and just like at the end. Like, like I remember just, it was one of those movies where I just had like such a strong emotional reaction when I saw it. Um, like that last, the end scene where the, with the stones mm-hmm. was just, mm-hmm. it tore me apart. But, um, yeah, I, I just need to watch it again, but it's, it's, yeah. it was a movie for me. It was a movie for me that started what I like to call my stack. Which is a huh. which is a stack of movies and Blu-rays that uh, that I have purchased but have yet to watch. Now that mm-hmm. doesn't mean I haven't seen them. It's just I haven't watched the copy that I spent money to own. You right. understand? And then uh, so f- I bought it Schindler's List sometime in high school, maybe my junior year of high school, and uh, I ended up watching it eventually. But it is what started the stack. Like I, I would buy nice. a movie and then be like, well, I can't watch this because I'm supposed to watch Schindler's List, uh, <laughs> but I don't really want to watch either, so I'm going to watch something else. And then I'd buy a new movie and a new movie and a new movie, and it got to where I had you know nine movies that had just stuck in my collection for a while. And I said, okay, I am going to watch Schindler's List for the first time since high school. I might have watched it uh, sometime in college. But ever since, I show it multiple times every school year for each one of my classes. Nice. So, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, if you put it all together, I've probably seen it uh, 20 times by now. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt, you mentioned the uh, the part at the end where they're placing the stones on Oscar yeah. Schindler's grave. Um, mm-hmm. That that scene means even more to me now since I don't want to go on a big tirade here again like I did earlier. But, uh, oh, no, when by I, all means, go ahead. Okay. Um, when I visited Auschwitz, uh, that camp is... Apparently it was broken into so many different small sub camps, but there's the main Auschwitz one, and then there's Birkenau, which is where the the yep. huge sprawling barracks was. And uh, inside Birkenau, where the the gates are that are depicted in the the movie Schindler's List, uh, there's railroad tracks that go inside the camp. 
because that's how they transported the Jews to this camp. Um, and they would transport them in actual cattle cars. They're, they were cars for trains that were designed for shipping cattle. And mm-hmm. they have they have one of the original cars on the tracks inside the inside the uh, camp. They're just empty tracks other than that. And I can't, I cannot illustrate to you the scale of this camp, by the way. Like, I'm not exaggerating. From the front gates to the back where the crematoriums were is over a mile. Literally, that's how big this thing is. And there's this one cattle car there, and as you get closer to it, you realize that it is covered in stones because that is part of uh, Jewish custom. Is It's a sign of respect to place a stone on the car and uh, on, on you know, some kind of memorial, mm-hmm. which is essentially what this car is. Uh, I think when it was, when the camp was um, liberated by the Russian army, uh, this car was found full of bodies um, because the Germans literally just took off. Like they didn't do anything with the, the Jews who were there. They just left. They didn't, they just didn't care. And so I think right. they, they left these Jews locked inside this cattle car and they were all dead. And as soon as I saw, I saw that cattle car, I, I I placed a stone on it, and that was just I just lost it, man. I, I broke down. Yeah. That was probably one of the strongest emotional reactions I've ever had in my life, and it was it's it's just something. It's really something to see, um, and I, I love the way that Steven Spielberg gave. He made that such such an event at the end of that film that that sign of respect mm-hmm. uh, yeah. at the end because that again, like I said, that that part means so much more to me now having having experienced something like it in real life. So right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I remember when you showed me the pictures from your trip, I was just like, man, I can't I can't I don't I could barely process the information you were giving me. Mm-hmm. Um like and I I couldn't imagine being there and seeing it in person. Yeah. Um just I mean, worst. you can't process. Yeah. They I I've watched the the Oprah special with Ellie Vitel. Mm-hmm. And she is at a loss for words. Really, you know, some someone as eloquent and articulate as Oprah, ha, like clearly, and I and I just I don't mean when she says there are no words because that's that's clearly she doesn't know what to say. Right. But like you can clearly see her struggle to come up with the words Jeez. to, to mm-hmm. even say. I I can't imagine being in there. I'm I'm envious in a way that you've been that close to history, but mm-hmm. but not so because it's so tragic. You know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, it's it's something everyone should see. The worst, the worst part was the uh, the human hair. Uh, it is yes, because all of the, that stuff. Yeah, all all of the camp is is just absolutely awful. But of everything you see, the worst thing there's there's a room you walk into, and it's it's a glass enclosure, and it's about forty yards long, ten yards deep, and about twenty feet high. And it is. It has nine tons of human hair inside of it. Mm-hmm. It is. It is the most horrible thing I've ever seen in my life. I. I mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just. It's horrible. Um, and you can't. That you can't that take, they thought they could sell. Yeah, you know what I mean. They shaved it off because they thought they could sell. They could turn. They could turn a profit on their hair. Huh. Well, they used it. They used it for insulation in the U-boats. Yeah, that's what they used it for, and they. This is something I didn't know until I went there. Um, the ashes, you know, they they burned all the bodies, and the ashes. There's no hu- the only human remains that are there is like a little thing of ashes in the hair, and that's because they would sell the ashes to farmers as yeah. as uh, uh, what's it called? Um, 
uh, wow, I can't think of what fertilizer. Called. Fertilizer, yes, yeah, fertilizer. So literally, all of Europe is just a grave now because they just shipped off those ashes. So sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here. It's just <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's an important film, and it's uh, I I, I think everyone should see it. It's it is literally an important film. That's how I feel about it. Yeah. And it and it is it's an important film, but also and and I'm not going to say a whole lot about Twelve Years a Slave here. I'll mention it in Potpourri, uh, but mm-hmm. it is a well done and entertaining film, which mm-hmm. which can't always be said for a lot of uh, message films and, and and historical films. It is it is it is like the easiest three hours you'll ever watch on a movie. Easiest in that it goes quickly. Not easy in terms of subject matter. Right. Um, you can't take it, your but eyes But it is off a it. very entertaining movie. Yeah. Right. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm actually going to buy the Blu-ray that they released. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's probably worth it. Yeah, because yeah. I've, been, I've been eyeing it at Target, and I got a <clears throat> gift card. I'll pick it up. But, uh, yeah, so that's uh, it's certainly a good, qualifies. Good choice. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I said it certainly qualifies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you have one, Mike? What's your what's your? Yeah, um, I I think we can kind of open up a conversation here. I, I think what would be interesting to do is is we kind of take a tragedy and talk about movies about it. So I'm kind of going to talk about a couple of movies uh, that are a reaction to probably the most influential historical event in our lives. The the three of ours. Um, we were both in high school. The uh, the the World Trade Center tragedy on September 11th. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about one that uh, affected me was Rain Over Me. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Good choice. From 2007. Thank you. Directed by Mike Bender, written by the same. Um, starring Don Cheadle, Jada Pinkett Smith, Liv Tyler, Donald Sutherland is in it, um, and Adam Sandler, which is mm-hmm. why I bring up the movie. It is... Without a doubt, hands down, Adam Sandler's best performance. Agreed. Perhaps his it. last great performance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you yeah. have you've never seen it? I don't think so. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it, but mm-hmm. yeah. and Tiny, you have? I have. I really, really liked it. Yeah. Uh, for those who haven't seen it, um, basically what it is 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 it kind of starts with Don Cheadle's character and and as he's. Uh, walking around, you know, commiserating about his, his difficult job. He uh he finds Charlie Feynman, who is his old college roommate and who is Adam Sandler. And uh Adam Sandler's character just, just rides around on a scooter. Uh he barely ever changes his clothes, looks like he doesn't wash his hair, hasn't had a haircut in a couple of years. Uh very, very strange, very odd man. Um, you don't really get a hint of the sadness early on. Again, it's kind of like that uh, that Oscar Schindler rule of threes, where where the first act you see one character, the second act you see another, and the third you see another. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first act, it's it's all about wondering what is up with with Charlie and why Adam Sandler's character is so weird. We eventually learn uh, that his family was killed in the the nine eleven attacks. They were they were on a plane. On one of the planes, is that correct? His wife and his two or three daughters, and even their dog, was on the plane. Yeah, Jeez. we're on the plane. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so it has wrecked him. So so it even isn't even so much um, that he's weird. It, it's just this crippling, crippling sadness and depression hmm. that that he has that has affected him. 
um, one of my favorite aspects in the movie. And I'm sorry to spoil this for you, but it's it's been six years. Yeah, Matt. the statute um, of limitations has expired on it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He uh, there the one of the things that kind of shows tragedy over time is he keeps working on their kitchen. Mm-hmm. Is that correct, Tiny? He keeps remodeling the kitchen. Yeah. He keeps remodeling the kitchen because he was remodeling it. Uh, when they died. He was in the process of remodeling it. So he keeps rebuilding it, destroying it, and then rebuilding it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene of him destroying it at one point that is that is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It ends on a difficult note. It definitely doesn't give you a wink and a smile. Um, right. you, you can tell that while Adam Sandler's character has made small steps, he certainly hasn't turned over a new leaf. Mm-hmm. Um but it's really about, in the end, friendship and finding people who help you, who help you through a tragedy, um, and just y- you got to point to the performances in that movie. are just so fantastic, and such mm-hmm. a surprise coming from from Adam Sandler, who who nobody has faith in anymore. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so while there are other movies uh, that depict the tragedy, you know. United 93, which we can talk about, and, and of course, World Trade Center, which we can talk about if you guys want. And, uh, you know, uh, Tiny, you mentioned Schindler's List, which took place during the Holocaust. This is after, uh, and I think it might have been current day, so it might have been 2007 okay. in Rain Over Me when this movie came out in 07. But it is more of a reaction to that, which which I appreciated, because... Mm-hmm. Um, Six years later, we were we were still talking about it and still reeling from it, and we still are today, and we probably will still be for several years after that. Um, but it was it was interesting to see what happens to the people who were who were directly involved because everybody's got a story, uh, but not everybody has the stories like um, like Adam Sandler's character character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's a great choice. Yeah, I Thank you. I actually Thank you. I actually do think I've seen it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been a while, so I'll have to check it out again. But yeah, mm-hmm. it reminds me vaguely of we. Well, you're talking about characters that are that are that have been traumatized by 9/11. Um, yes, and stuff like that. But um, would you guys think of extremely loud, incredibly close? Uh, oh, I yeah, never saw it. Really? Oh yeah, it, it was a, that was a decent film as well. It wasn't. Uh... It, it too much of the film rested on the shoulders of an eleven year old kid, yeah. Uh, which not to <laughs> say, he was actually pretty good. I, I give him a right. lot of credit. He was he was he was good. But it's that's that's a tough guide through that subject. Um, yeah. But it it was it was a very touching film, and it was it was similar to Rain Over Me in that it was a reaction to a loss during nine eleven, um, right? And, and how how it it sort of paused the development of this kid in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was an itch. I assume the, isn't it based on a book? I think. Yeah, it's based on a book. It's yeah. not, I, yeah. it's not a true story or anything, but okay. I assume I the book is better. I assume I so too. Like yeah. when I, when I watched it, it was actually the first movie I watched this year. Um, not that that matters to anything, but um, <laughs> when I watched it, like when I finished it, I was like, you know, this would have made a really incredible, newspaper article if it was real for like the year or two year anniversary of nine eleven. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But as a movie it kind of it kind of came across as a little not necessarily preachy, but kind of kind of 
messagey and and not not even really messagey. It's just more sentimental, overly sentimental. That's what I'm yeah, going for. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. and um, and yeah, and I, I thought as a concept, it was really good, and it was uh, the performances were good too. But ultimately, kind of, I don't know, kind of a it, little bit forgettable. It kind of took the slogan that that we all adopted as a as a nation after nine eleven the, the the never forget thing yeah yeah it kind of took yep. that it took that slogan and kind of beat you over the head with it a little bit right um that's sort of how yeah. I felt about it but you know again it's that's that's a tough subject to write about it's probably tough to capture I like the idea yeah. of of using a a child's perspective mm-hmm. for for that tragedy because you know God knows there were tens of thousands of kids who lost someone in that, you know. Sure. Uh so that that I like that idea but it I think the film maybe just kind of kind of got away from it a little bit. So mm-hmm. but it, it is worth a watch, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, what's next? Cool. Did you guys see World Trade Center? Oh, yes. I saw it in the tr- mm-hmm. in the theater actually. Um Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was I I mean, I liked it, but I I get the I I think that World Trade Center and United 93 kind of came out very close to one another. And it was very soon after 9-11. Um, yeah, 2006 for, for World Trade 2006. Center. 2006. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, and even that, I mean, that still feels a little too soon. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we say, it, it's, like, it's like five years, but it just seems like, like don't – it felt like – in the back of my mind, it felt like and this may not have been the intention, but it felt like okay, they're kind of they're trying to cash in on the, on this tragedy or whatever. They're not making yeah. a statement, which the mm. movies weren't. I don't remember much of them, but I just remember having that. Like it, it could have been just completely not the intention of the movies, but I still had yeah. that in the back of my head. But and how could you not? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. How, I I totally don't blame you for that. How could you not think that? Right. Coming out so soon, you know it's going to make money. You know people are going to go see it. Yep. So, right. I, I I back you on that one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I, I remember feeling that way about United ninety three. Mm-hmm. I've seen them both. Yeah, I own them both actually. Really? Yeah, but I, I want to say, I think World Trade Center is the better made movie. I mean, it okay. is Oliver Stone. Mm. Yeah. Um. I, I guess it's the one I remember better, which which says something okay. about the two movies. Hmm. Interesting. I also like Michael Pena a lot. Yeah, I like yeah, him a lot yeah. too. I actually, yeah, I kind of disagree with you there. I actually think United ninety three is the better movie. Um, really? I, 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 I'm hit or miss on on Oliver Stone. He's I don't think he's a bad director, but I don't think he's as great as people make him out to be. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just, I don't know. For some reason, World Trade Center didn't didn't really do it for me as much as. Uh, United ninety three, and I think part of the reason is because the the whole story of United ninety three was sort of lost. It, it was sort of lost in the whole shuffle of, you know, twenty five hundred people were killed at the World Trade Center. So that's that's what people right. are primarily focusing on. But they kind of forget that there was yeah. you know, this whole other plane that went down in Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. there was attack on the Pentagon and stuff like that. Um, so that yeah. that it, it was almost like experiencing the story for the first time with United 93 and that it makes was sense. and it, right yeah. and it was a little more action packed and in your face not not to say that you know tragedy needs action or anything it's just that it was more you know it, there was more there 
to hold on to, in my opinion. Um, and yeah. I, I, just, I actually, I prefer Paul Greengrass over, over uh, Oliver Stone. Actually, you know, know I've never a been a Bourne fan. Never, really? never liked the Bourne movies. Yeah, hmm. I know a lot of people don't like the shaky cam stuff, but that doesn't, it doesn't yeah. bother me. I actually like it. If memory serves, it's been a while since I watched United in '83, but I feel like the shaky cam kind of worked for that. Um, yeah, worked in that. Oh favor. yeah, totally. It had totally. a it had a participatory you know mm-hmm. effect to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so those those are I'll have to re-examine them, but I mean, in the years since those have been released, they've I don't off the top of my head, I don't think that they've really tackled nine eleven directly. Um, mm-hmm. in a movie, but they've uh, there's been it's it's fil- it's filtered into um the plots of several movies like like we've discussed already. But um, yeah. one that oh yeah, what was the, what was that one with Robert Pattinson? I was just about to bring that up. Um, yeah. did you see that? It was called Remember no, I didn't me. see it. I didn't remember see it. me. That's right. I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah, apparently I'm gonna spoil Remember Me. Apparently everybody. But um, I guess I guess Robert Pattinson plays this kind of burnout guy, this maybe thuggish guy, I don't know, who meets and falls in love with with Emily DeRaven. Um, I think it's Emily DeRaven, and her dad is like abusive and is just a just an a hole, uh, who is okay. played by Chris Cooper. So my understanding of the movie is that it's it's Robert Pattinson trying to get the guy's approval and, and butting heads with him, but ultimately gaining his respect. So I guess the last like the last scene of the movie is uh, Robert Pattinson's like, okay, well I'm starting my new job, and it's like he's he's dressed like in a suit and he's he's got his life together, all that stuff. He has his girlfriend loves him, all that stuff, and then like he hangs up the phone oh, and you no. see. Yeah, you see, like, he pulls back to, like, reveal that he's in in one of the towers, and then it ends with, like, the plane or whatever. I don't think it actually shows a plane crashing, but it ends with maybe a plane sound or something. I don't know, but it, it's revealed mm-hmm. that his first day of work is not, is on 9-11 at the World Trade Center. Um, that... I I don't I don't mean to crap on a piece of art and somebody's work, but that seems cashing in. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? And I can't really... They are using that for the dramatic, tragic twist. And that is unfortunate. Exactly. Right. Um, and it was and it was nine years... It was released nine years after 9-11. It was... Uh, it's a romantic drama yeah. centered mm-hmm. on two new lovers, Tyler, whose parents have split in the wake of his brother's suicide, and Allie, who lives each day to the fullest since witnessing her mother's murder. So it's... It's... It's a deep subject. It's... It's... Uh, it's it's a big subject and all that, but um, mm-hmm. it was directed by Alan Coulter, who has directed several episodes of uh, Boardwalk Empire, a couple episodes of House of Cards. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's it seems it seems like it's a deep movie and all that, but it, like you said, just that ending just seems just really really not not okay. <laughs> It's like they were they they used the tragedy. Yeah, it was absolutely. like like kind of like how you would use someone. They used the tragedy for their own benefit. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree. Even Which, though I haven't seen the film, but <laughs> based yeah. on your description, like I, I'll have to I'll come back to it and I'll I'll we'll, I'll watch it because I think I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out because I'm kind of curious. But um, 
because I mean that synopsis sounds like it sounds like an engaging plot, but just knowing that that's how it is, and I mean it's got a seven point one rating on IMDb. Hmm. So, but just that ending just seems just really just opportunistic. Yeah. There you uh, go. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Okay. Yep. Well, uh, I have one. I have another one here that I wouldn't mind bringing up if if sure. we're ready to move on. Sure. sure. Okay. Um, I know Matt has seen this movie. I don't know if Mike has. Uh, it's a film. It, it's kind of fitting because of uh, you. Mike mentioned uh, Twelve Years a Slave. The uh, director of that film, and I believe the writer, oh, yeah. his name is Steve McQueen. S- Steve McQueen. Yeah. He uh, he made a film back in two thousand eight. Uh, the film is called Hunger. And a lot of people have not seen this movie. It's uh, it stars Michael Fassbender. It's um, it takes place in yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're pretty good buddies. I have seen but, Shame uh, though. Yeah, Shame was good Shame. as well. Yeah, it was a good one. But um, Hunger is uh, it takes place in uh, Ireland in uh, the nineteen. I think it's like late eighties, nineteen eighty one, maybe actually. Yeah, nineteen eighty one. Okay. Um, it's set in a prison that was made. It was built in Northern Ireland, and it was designed specifically to house the worst criminals in uh, in the UK. And the British government started using it to imprison the uh, people who have been arrested for IRA crimes, members of the IRA. Uh, and this is the whole the whole battle or the struggle between the IRA or actually just Irish people and um, the UK government is something that I'm fairly uneducated on. Uh, it's, it's a subject I'd like to read about in the future. But uh, so if I, if I, you know, miscredit something or whatever, if I say something wrong, don't hold it against me. Um, <laughs> That's all right. But essentially the, these, these people, these members of the IRA who were arrested and they were held as prisoners in this prison and they were treated awful, awfully. Um, you know, they were, Imagine us capturing the 19 people who hijacked the planes on 9/11. You know what? What? How we would treat them? Yeah. That's how. That's how the UK government feels about these guys. And oh. um, they, these prisoners were led by um, a member of the IRA named Bobby Sands, who's played by Michael Fassbender. And they mm-hmm. use their time in prison to protest against how they're being treated. You know, they're they're treated as terrorists when they feel them that they're just regular criminals, and so they. They begin to protest in the prison, and uh, it ends huh. with um, it ends with the character of Bobby Sands starting a hunger strike, and he literally refuses to eat, and it takes uh, it takes a lot of, a long time for him to die. He lives, I believe, yeah. he lives for sixty six days without eating, um, and then other other prisoners follow his lead, and I think by the time it was over, six men had died by going on a hunger strike. Um, and it's... Th- the, what's what's incredible about the film is the way that it's made. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve McQueen, it was... I, I, incidentally, it was Steve McQueen's first actual feature-length film that he had ever made. It's, uh, it is so incredibly immersive in this horrible situation. Uh, the The first act is a little over an hour long, and it's just... It shows you the awful conditions they were living in, um, and it just, it, it, they were being beaten and just, you know, kept from one another. It's a horrible, horrible thing. And then 
in the third act while he's on his hunger strike it's very it's it's very uh it's hard to watch and it, it is a tragic thing that happens this guy's just trying to make a point and he's willing to kill himself slowly painfully torturously just to do it uh so it's it's very hard to watch um and michael fassbender's performance is just out of the world out of this mm-hmm. world he's just beyond remarkable in it so mm-hmm. it's 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 a tragic situation you know the 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 liberty of ireland and against the you know the uk government is a real tragic thing that it, it still has not been resolved uh, unfortunately now there is peace which is a good thing but you know the the people of ireland still feel like they're they're under a monarchical rule if you will um which is fair um you know again i don't know a whole lot about the the conflict but uh it's sad to think that these men went through all this trouble <laughs> you know they killed they literally killed themselves and the situation has not been resolved yeah uh, mm-hmm. it's wow. it's it's an incredibly powerful movie i think it was on netflix instant for a while i don't know if it still is um, yeah i don't know if it is or not but um i highly recommend seeing it it's 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 not I'd almost say that the tone of the film is in a similar vein to Schindler's List. That's how it, it, it can be very hard to watch for that reason. Um, yeah, you mentioned that the third act when he when he starts his hunger strike or he goes on his hunger strike is hard to watch. I would say that the entire movie is hard to watch. Yeah, because um, though and you credited Steve McQueen's filmmaking techniques and all that, which it's incredible. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, mm. The way that the the sets are just it's, it's just so grotesque and 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 hor- you, he really he really shows just how horrible their conditions are and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is no longer streaming on Netflix here, at least here in the U.S. But um, Hulu Plus has it, and uh, uh, Amazon Prime has it. Okay. Um, the Criterion Collection released a Blu-ray of it, which I highly nice. recommend. I have it. Um, nice. Yeah, one for example, one of the protests, and obviously this is a true story. If you didn't mm-hmm. know, um, one of the yeah. protests that they did is they would, they were locked in their cells for like twenty-four hours a day. Mm-hmm. They would actually, they would go to the restroom and they would take their feces and just smear it on the wall. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. one of their protests. They that's how they that's how they protested and you know they would refuse to eat and it was just they would go to the restroom in the hallway like go to the restroom and like throw it out in the hall for the guards to walk on it's just a it's just an incredible i would call it an incredible feat of of you know human resistance (laughs) Mm -hmm. that what, what these guys went through and it's it is tragic to see it. Like I said, you know, the the conflict has yet to be resolved, but yeah. it, it's also an incredible piece of filmmaking. I uh, I highly recommend it if you yeah. haven't seen it. Fun fact, the guys that smeared their feces all over the walls can now be found at every bar in this in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh gross. That's true though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I is it my is it my turn or whose turn is it? I think it yeah. I think we skipped one of your turns. Yeah, okay. we skipped somebody. That's okay. That's, it's we're a family. Yeah, here. it's it's cool. Um <laughs> It's it sucks because we're kinda of running a little long, but I mean we yeah, still have some bit. other stuff I want to talk about. But I wanted to bring up it, No worries. Wait we, we just we just named this one part one just now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um unfortunately too, because you know, tragedy. But yeah. anyway, um yeah. Fruitvale Station. Tiny, I can't remember if you saw it or not. 
I haven't, unfortunately. Okay, Mike, you've seen it? It is uh, at least my number three movie of the year at this point, yeah. Nice. I uh, yeah. I saw it as well, and I, I liked it. And then the more I think about it, I kind of... I have, I, have a, I have a strange reaction to it, I guess. Like, there's um, there's actually a really good GQ article, I think. I think it was GQ. Um, that kind of calls into question the guy, the guy who directed it, his um, his not intentions, but his choices. Because there's some scenes in the movie that are that he used artistic license for. Like, there's a scene where. Um, this isn't a spoiler or anything, but the movie is about the movie is about Oscar Grant, the the the, the guy that got shot by the police and and the um, Bart tragedy thing from uh, what year was that? That was like two thousand eight. Two thousand eight, yeah, New Year's Eve, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's uh, it's basically the entire movie is the last twenty four hours of his life, and it just follows him through, and it's a really it's a really eloquently made movie in that way like he's it's really cool to see that kind of progression um and then that sense of foreboding that comes with that kind of storytelling is 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 really really effective um because we all know what happens and we just don't want it to happen because we get to know the guy but the the questions that's raised with it is that um and that like the the director went kind of out of his way to paint Oscar as this as this noble guy, which he could have been. I, I have no frame of reference for it. But there's a scene where he sees this dog get run over, and uh, he goes and helps it, and and you can see that he's really torn up about it and all that. And then it's like obviously there's no way like it's a work of fiction. That's a fictitious element put into the movie to display his character, um, which I didn't really have a problem with, but it kind of the the other example that they had is is um that he you see him throw away drugs like he has drugs that he's that he's intending to sell in order to get mm-hmm. money for his family um but you see he throws he throws it into the water in in a in an act of like um like like showing that he's going to s- turn over a new leaf and all that stuff and it's mm-hmm. just that seems a little a little strange for a movie that is um, based on on fact that that's telling the story of this guy because there's no there's no telling if he actually did that or if he came to that dis- decision. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but I I will argue I will argue this. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree one hundred percent on the dog scene, uh, mm-hmm. and in fact, uh, I'm pretty sure what I've read is that did not happen at all. No, it absolutely didn't. It was a yeah. choice by the director. Um, but the but the the drug thing is uh someone who lives that type of lifestyle is very very prone to make those kind of life promises to him or herself um f- personally speaking hopefully my dad doesn't listen to this he would do that stuff <laughs> once every few months you know mm-hmm. what i mean i'm done mm-hmm. i'm done never again uh so who's who's to say that this happened on that day that he was doomed to die i don't know but but i would not put it past a character like oscar grant the third to who is clearly a good person at heart right um to to want to do that every now and then i I Mm. have no doubt that that happened okay not maybe not that day but in his life i have no doubt that he that he flushed his drugs down the toilet that that it's like that's textbook uh drug dealer right regret regret 
Okay, yeah, yeah, I, I can get on board with that. Yeah, Good it point. was just an interesting article. There was also something about how there's uh, one, probably the best scene in the movie for me was when um, there's a flashback to Oscar's mom visiting him in prison. And it's just like, yes. oh man, uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan is just, he's, he's incredible in that scene. Him and, uh, um, Octavia Spencer, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. they're both just insane in that, in that scene. Cause there's like Michael B. Jordan is basically, you can see his, his anger rising and he, and he's just hating, like, like he, 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 plays this delicate balance of emotion like he shifts from emotion to different emotions um just really smoothly that's just really 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 incredible um Mm -hmm. incredible acting um but yeah and then and then the the article that i can't really find it on google but the article also mentioned that there's no virtually no time spent on uh exploring why he was in prison in the first place because he apparently um was stopped and and either fired a he fired a gun in the air or something um or after mm-hmm. acting belligerent towards some police officers or something like that um mm-hmm. so it kind of seemed like the point of the article was that it was skewing it was skewing the character toward one um almost propagandizing him almost i i hesitate to say that but kind of I skewing see. the character into yeah. a certain mold for the viewer to sue the character the character should have been more ambiguous morally ambiguous oh yeah yeah um yeah. instead of my thing is uh, like i see where the article's going mm-hmm. but i think it did enough of a job um that i liked i liked the way the movie made it more entertaining and him more sympathetic mm-hmm. uh and, and i really just love the character it adds to the tragedy yeah i think yeah. the 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 direction uh choices that Ryan Coogler made um i mean i see what they're saying and i and i think they they could have um left it a little more ambiguous but but i do of course think that they're there is some moral ambiguity there. I mean, we know this is a guy from the wrong side of the tracks. We we see it. We know he's not always a great guy. Mm-hmm. But it seemed the like... The dog seems a little much. Yeah. It it seemed like it was a little... In retrospect, I'll need to see it again, but um, it seemed like he was... It was a little, it was a little Hollywood in, in its interpretation of it. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. it felt real, like the way that he went through the, went through his day and all that stuff. Um, it felt real, but it also kind of was, was wrapped up in this whole big thing that was like very, very Hollywood message heavy kind of movie. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. yeah. But right. I still enjoyed the movie quite a bit. Um, actually a lot. It was very, and by the end, like you just, I mean, when, when they, when they show what happened, um, uh, when, when they show, when they show what happened, it's, it's just, it's really heartbreaking. Um, and just, and it's, yeah, it was, it was just, it was really, it was really something. It was really good. Yeah. But Mm. it's tragic. If anything, see it for, see it for the performances of Michael B. Jordan and Octavia Spencer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, which are both great, but mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's interesting to hear opinions on that. Yeah. Um, cool. 
Okay, cool. Um, anything else we want to bring up? I kind of wanted to touch on Pearl Harbor and Titanic, but we're at an hour. We should start pretty yeah. pretty soon. So yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, I agree. I st- think uh, I come think back we... for part two. Yeah, yeah. We met our listeners our, car enough. Right. Our, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, saved exactly. the fun discussions for part two. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, Pearl Harbor of a, is a tragedy of a movie on its own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for a different reason. Yeah. Isn't right. it? You know, I will say I'm kind of just siding with the majority there, but I remember liking Pearl Harbor when I saw it in high school. Oh, I don't want to get into this discussion because <laughs> I happen to, to have... Um, a certain online journal that documented my life. Um, <laughs> and I remember when I saw it, I think, I think my, is words, it a journal that's live? It is a journal that's live. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, I remember, I think the exact words I used in, in that granted I was 15, 14, 15 at the time was, it was hands down the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. This is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, to be a kid again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. To be, uh, <laughs> that is too funny. Yeah. That is too funny. Well, I'm glad. Now, I when when you said, oh, I was like, oh, geez. I'm, I just embarrassed myself by saying I liked it. Um, <laughs> I haven't seen it. It came out in '01. I haven't seen it since like '02. So I, I will say it's been a long time, yeah. but I do remember liking it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember liking it that once, that one time, and then yeah. eventually I kind of grew better um, opinions of movies. <laughs> yeah, um, we can bash it next time. Yeah, so. <laughs> we can. Come back for part two, yes. date tentative. Yes. Yep. Uh, well, we had a pretty good, I think, discussion on uh, tragedy on the screen. We made the executive decision to call it part one about halfway through, so uh, we'll look forward to part two of that. Uh, but, of course, we must move on to everybody's favorite part, potpourri, where we talk about whatever we want to talk about that has to do with the screen. Uh, things we're looking forward to, things we've seen, things we just must talk about. So I always like to throw it off to you guys. Tiny, what do you want to talk about? Okay. Uh, just to kind of lighten things up a little bit after what we just talked about. Yeah, that was um, a little depressing. Gonna, <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with something kind of fun that I watched recently. Uh, I watched the movie The Heat. Nice. Starring uh, Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy, directed by Paul Feig. Um, mm-hmm. It was—I I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really funny movie. Um, kind of uh, de- definitely follows the the cop buddy format, um, but with the little bit of a twist that it's two women, which is kind of different. Um, and uh, I just—I really love Melissa McCarthy in it. I thought she was hilarious. She's uh, she's just a, a force to be reckoned with when it comes to comedy. She. Uh, one of the things that helped the movie is it was rated R, so she had free reign to just curse like crazy. Uh, <laughs> she just she just has great delivery when uh, when she's allowed to curse like that. Um, mm-hmm. It was a good you know classic contrast between the two characters. One of them was real uptight and proper, and the other was just a crazy, brazen kind of person who cursed all the time. So mm-hmm. uh, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, there's there's a really funny running gag about albinos through it that's just so funny uh so yeah it was it was fun i I definitely recommend checking it out nice you know i 
I actually saw it in theaters uh, when it came out. Oh, yeah. And I agree with you. I really liked it a lot. Um, I might have mentioned this before, and I definitely mentioned it in a write-up about in 2011 when I did my movie recaps. And uh, I thought Melissa McCarthy was one of the weakest parts of Bridesmaids. I know that I'm in the very, very small minority <laughs> when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people love her, but uh, I mean, that's a that's a conversation for another podcast. But she was really good. She was really good in the movie. Sandra Bullock was really good. It was really funny. Uh, I, I like the guy that uh, Melissa McCarthy is chasing at the beginning of the movie, and uh, just some <laughs> of the li- just some of the lines, the way he reads them. I was just sitting here doing my Sudoku. <laughs> yeah, I thought yeah, that was really pretty funny. funny. So it was good. Yeah, it was a good movie. Nice. Mm-hmm. I've heard really good things. I haven't seen it yet, but um, I'm a Paul Feig fan though. So yeah. worth worth seeing. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um. I uh, I know that earlier in the podcast I said I was going to talk about Twelve Years a Slave, right. uh, but it, it's it's so good. I think I'm going to save it for our end of the year discussion. Nice. Um, and I kind of I'll wait till you guys see it just just because it deserves more of a discussion. Right. We uh, um, me, me and Tiny were, were <laughs> we went to see a movie. Uh, when was that? Last weekend? The weekend before? Last um, Friday. Yeah, but he like he wanted to see Twelve Years a Slave, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna be really tired. So, do you mind if we see Thor too? So I feel a little bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blame well, it on that, guys. You yeah. know, because you were tired, it was probably best. Yeah, saw Thor too. Yeah, because when yeah. he when he mentioned Twelve Years a Slave, I was like, All right, IMDb, two hours fourteen minutes. That's gonna be a Friday. <laughs> I'm gonna be Never up mind. all day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um. Uh, but Twelve Years a Slave was fantastic. Nice. Uh, I've said that if uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor does not win or get nominated, I mean he's a lock to be nominated, but does not win an Academy mm-hmm. Award, it will be a crime. He's fantastic. Nice. Uh, so instead, to lighten it up, lighten it up. I don't know. I'm going to talk about a movie called Silent Night, <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> I don't know if that's lightening it up. It's a 2012 remake to the 1980s. Uh, kind of underground classic slasher classic Silent Night Deadly Night, mm-hmm. which is about a uh, Santa that goes crazy and kills people. Uh, so this is a loose remake. Uh, I actually liked it a lot. Um, nice. There are some really gruesome kills in it that that I appreciated. Uh, one in particular, the killer puts a woman through a wood chipper. <laughs> And gets blood nice. all over the place. That was pretty fantastic. And then the other was uh, we actually get to see in its entirety from swing to stop a man's head getting chopped in half with an axe. Jeez. Split oh. vertically. Yeah. Like we Whoa. see his head just cut in half vertically. Uh, wow. So that was pretty crazy. Um, and it was entertaining. I I have trouble recommending it because mm-hmm. I think you have to be of a certain ilk to enjoy that kind of movie. Uh, mm-hmm. in November, you know, a, a holiday movie. It's weird because I, I like to watch that stuff for October, mm-hmm. but you can't really watch it in October because it's a Christmas movie. So <laughs> yeah. I, I thought November would be the best time to watch it. Still on the heels of Shocktober, but also because it's I mean, Christmas is coming up, it's it's got the Christmas vibe. So Silent Night saw a lot of people get killed. Definitely put me in the happy holiday <laughs> mood <laughs> nice nice funny. Good. yep i've been singing carols ever since <laughs> well that's the good alternative to uh splitting people's heads in half yeah <laughs> yes. 
It's uh, and it's, I'll add, it's better than the uh, the Black Christmas remake, which was pretty terrible. Oh yeah, Black yeah, that's, Christmas. That's, that's the terrible movie, movie I was thinking of. Yeah, awful. awful. Really? Yeah, That'd be an interesting a, double bad. feature. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matt, wow. what do you think? Take us home. Oh What'd well, you see? I wanted to bring up two shows that I've been watching a lot of. Um, basically, Comedy Central. I watched. Um, I've been watching a lot of Key and Peele lately. And nice. I, I'm loving it. I'm, I adore it. It's, uh, it's sketch comedy at its finest. It's basically, it's, it's the most, I would say it's probably the most consistent sketch comedy show I've seen in recent memory, at least. Um, just the, the sketches are all really funny. Um, the, the, they're, they're great. Both Keegan-Michael Key and, and Jordan Peele, they're just fantastic and they play off each other incredibly well. And each, each sketch is broken up by little segments where they kind of just do like little quips at one another on a stage with an audience. And it's, it's, it's a really cool atmosphere and they have just, I mean, mm-hmm. like what made me want to watch it was Mike, uh, somewhere on your Facebook months ago, they, they uh, there was, yeah. Uh, crept up the video for the dragon Dungeons and Dragons and bitches sketch, which <laughs> yeah. was I love that so much. It's so funny. Like I've it's been months and I still quote it in my head all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's hilarious. Um, that and then there's also just real quick a few sketches that I loved was like there's substitute teacher sketches that are just hilarious. Um, so funny. very very viral, very popular on the internet. Right yeah, now. yeah. And then there's one yeah. other one that's just hilarious to me. Is that uh, there was Keegan uh, uh, Keegan Keegan Michael Key? He's bald. He goes in the sketch. He's in he's in prison, and he has this kind of he has this affectation on his voice that's like. Um, like something like I didn't know when I was gonna go when I was getting like kind of a weak kind of voice. Um, <laughs> nice. I was scared when I came into prison, but I was I was relieved when I saw that there was another bald that there was a whole gang for bald people and there's he's talking about like skinheads and, and neo Nazis and stuff. <laughs> so the whole sketch is him trying to get in with this gang, but they're not having it obviously, and they they're just they. It's hilarious. Like they like they beat the hell out of him at one point, and then he's like, "Yeah, I got initiated today." <laughs> and it's that's great. It's it's great. And then there's also like um, um, uh, an inner city an inner city wizarding school sketch. That's just it's <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. The show's hilarious. So that's so that's really funny. I highly recommend it. They're as of now they might be almost finished up with their third season, but it's it's well worth checking out and going back and finding episodes. But the other show I wanted to mention was uh, Chris Hardwick's semi-game show social network send-up series on a uh, nightly show, I mean, on uh, Comedy Central called At Midnight. It's, uh, nice. like, you guys haven't seen it, have you? Unfortunately, no. Okay. It's, not. uh, I highly recommend watching it. Like, like, DVR it as much as you can because it is mm. hilarious. Not only is it hilarious, but it's like it's funny to the point of being probably the, the funniest show I've seen on TV recently. Um, like wow. the funniest show on TV right now, probably. Wow. Um, be, That's bold. It is. That's a bold statement. But I can stand by it because it's 
I haven't laughed that hard at <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard at, at that hard at TV since the last Keen Peel episode I watched. But um, it's it's really funny. It's it basically comedians are at like they have podiums and they're competing against each other. But it, I mean the points are ultimately ultimately meaningless. But um, and Chris Hardwick is just giving them stuff to riff off of. He's giving them tweets that tweets um, um, Craigslist postings. Um, there was, <laughs> there were posts from cafemom.com, which is apparently some mother website or whatever. That was like very vulgar kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> and then the uh, videos, clips, all that stuff. It's, it's hysterical. It's, it's really funny because it's just basically comedians just jumping off of these, of these topics that are just in and of themselves hilarious. It's basically what shows like Tosh.0 and, and shows like that strive to be or or Mm -hmm. never really understood that they could have been if that makes sense because all they do is they just show the clips and all that and be done with it and say like funny things but this makes it just work for the show in a way that i hadn't seen before and it's really working in their favor and of course i love anything chris hardwick does um yeah so so it's really cool to see him do that Um, awesome yeah cool so it's good. Oh, and also they play a game occasionally that was from Reddit called uh, "Make Me Cringe in Three Words," um, <laughs> and uh, there's a bunch of stuff that was really funny. But I can't remember who the comedian was. It was a woman, but she was like, all she said was, um, like looking at Chris, she was like, um, "Singled out reunion." Wow, that's awesome! <laughs> and that's I thought nice. that was just brilliant. That's funny. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely check out At Midnight. And uh, yeah, so I think that about wraps it up for Potpourri, doesn't it? I think, I think it so. does. That should do it. All right. Well, I'm gonna Take I'm gonna bring home. us out, and uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be better than before. And the listeners have no idea what I'm talking about. But yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> full disclosure: this is take two of Potpourri. Yes. And that's what he's referring yeah. to. So Thanks, Mike. here we go. No pressure. <laughs> Okay. You messed up the first one horribly. I did. It was a mess. And this one could be the episode that Chris Hardwick actually listens to. Yes. yes. So no Ooh. pressure here, Matt. Okay. All right. Take us home. <clears throat> Thank you for listening to the latest episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Uh, as always, I'm Matt. You can find me at Obsessive Viewer. Tiny can be found on Twitter at Obsessive Tiny. And Mike can be found at I am Mike White. Of course, you can also find the blog and podcast on Facebook at The Obsessive Viewer. Just type it in and you'll find it easily. Um, we love it when you like our page. It's it's really fun for us um, mm-hmm. to see the little notification. So please do that. And then you can also uh, find back episodes of the podcast at ovpodcast.com. And go on iTunes and subscribe, rate, review. We love hearing feedback from you guys, and we really want more uh, more reviews because that really does a lot to help us. Um, of course, you can also find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post content semi-regularly. I've kind of dropped off a little bit on posting it because I've just had been swamped, but uh, it'll get better, guys. <laughs> so other than that, you know, uh, email us at ovpodcast at gmail.com um, if you want a private message to us to do that we love hearing feedback any topics you want us to discuss any movies you want us to review any shows you think we should be watching that we're not 
Um, and if you want to be included in the show, send us like an audio file or something. If you want like your own little review or whatever on a, a segment of the show, um, we could we could probably do that. It'll be so. That about does it, I guess. That was a little bit better than the first awesome. take, but <laughs> you nailed it. A little bit. You yeah. nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> top top three potpourri. Top three obsessive viewer outros. Wow. Wow. Matt. Wow. That was beautiful. Yeah, okay. Well, I hope that this is the one that Chris Hardwick listens to. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> <laughs>